Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. I'm really glad you could join me. This week I was joined by Liam Martin. He's the co-founder and CMO of Time Doctor. Time Doctor is a employee time tracking and productivity tool and Liam has personally overseen uh, a transformation in the uh, Time Doctor content strategy. So in this episode he talks me through um, how the how their blog content strategy has evolved, how their uh, podcasting uh, content strategy has evolved, how their video content strategy has evolved, um, and some stuff in between as well. Super, super interesting. Lots of little tips and hacks in this one. So listen carefully, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. I'm here with Liam Martin. He's the co-founder and CMO of Time Doctor, uh, an employee time tracking and productivity tool. Liam, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, Liam, uh, you're out in the, in the wilderness right now. So anybody who's hearing some, some lovely birds chirping and stuff, what's going on right now? What, what, why are you outside? I'm actually doing one of our product retreats uh, that we do two to three times per year. So we basically just all get together, product design, marketing, customer support, and a few developers. And then we iterate on what we're going to be doing over the next six to three months, realistically. Okay, awesome. That sounds really cool. So um, on this podcast, we always start with a coffee question. Uh, so if we were at a coffee place right now, what would you be ordering? I'd probably be ordering, I think I'd probably get a decaf, a medium decaf with uh, almond milk. That would be my okay. standard. I know that that's probably not medium roast. Um, if I was feeling amazing, I'd probably go for something like a latte, something with a little bit more sugar in it. Okay. Okay. You're a sugar man. <laughs> I, I prefer coconut milk to almond milk. But uh, that's, a di- that's a different discussion. We'll have a different day, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, but we'll, let's move on to um, your content strategy that you guys have got at, at Time Doctor. Uh, you had something going on pre-2016. In 2016, you, you changed something. So I'm interested to know what was going on pre-2016 and what did you change um, and how has that affected uh, the, the content strategy you guys have in place now? Sure. So I think we just... I always talk about being process driven inside of remote companies. So we have about 80 plus people in 20 different countries all over the world. And we build our company remotely. It's a fundamental component of who we are and what we truly believe is the way to build businesses in the future. However, we weren't eating our own dog food with regards to our SEO strategy. And uh, the top lesson that you can learn inside of that is being process driven. So. What we decided to do in 2016 was completely revamp the way that the SEO team was being measured. And we really figured out something that ended up popping and, uh, and has been incredibly successful up until this point now. Okay, interesting. So when you say, you know, the SEO side of things, are you, are you talking strictly from the, from the blog? So was, was the blog the, um, the main focus in pre-2016? Is that still the main focus? Yeah, I mean, so we're just looking at different departments, specifically the 2016 site, basically the content strategy. We went from a company that was just writing about what we wanted to write about, and we turned into a company that would write pieces that we knew our customers would respond to positively, number one, Mm -hmm. and then number two, something that we could actually rank for reliably every single time. So we have two major KPIs in the side of the content team. The first one is cumulative domain authority. And then the second one is how many of our pieces of content ended up getting, end up getting top 10 in the SERPs. 
Okay. That's, and if we can basically, if we can measure those two, uh, we'll, we'll produce success. So top 10 SERPs, we're, for every post that we post, about 60% of those end up in the top 10 SERPs, which is a pretty good metric for us. Uh, we were probably floating around 20 or 30% before we actually started re- revamping all of our processes. And then cumulative domain authority is just the core KPI that's feeding that entire system. So a lot of the times you'll work inside of a business and specifically a content campaign as an example, and you'll be putting pressure on the wrong things. So maybe it is the amount of pieces of content that you put out. Say, hey, I want to put out a lot more pieces of content. Great. Are any of those contents going to rank? Probably not, because if you're putting crappy content out there, it's not going to rank properly because right now, I mean, basically you can't cheat Google anymore. Um, There are probably some people that say that you can, and there's always people that say that you can but those people are becoming few and far between more and more as uh, Google is getting better at their algorithm. So what we're doing now is we're saying we're going to properly identify a piece of content. We're going to uh, write a piece of content that we consider best in the industry. So we literally just go to the top 10 results in the SERPs and we write an article that's better than those top 10 results in um, in our perspective. Then we optimize that, we launch it, and then we end up doing a lot of link building for it over a two-month period. So literally every linker is given a piece of content that they work on at minimum a month, and in some cases two, three, four months, and they're measured by cumulative DA. So every link that they acquire basically counts towards their uh, cumulative DA score. So if I got a link from Time Doctor, we're a DA78 site, so that would give the linker 78 points. And then if I got a link from Salesforce, which we just got yesterday, that's a DA87 link. Very nice. So it's 87 (laughs) plus 78, and then that's their cumulative DA. And that's the only measure that we're driving basically growth with. And it's very much, it's a huge motivator for the linkers, and just everyone knows exactly who is giving value because it's just a very good metric for providing value. Okay, that's very, very cool. So how, let's say somebody on your team comes to you with a topic they want to write about. Are you using any tools or what tools are you using uh, to say, okay, yeah, we can rank for that. We've got a chance or, you know, we can't rank for that. That's, that's something we're going to, we're going to put to one side. What's your process there? Sure. So first thing it would go into the keyword list that we have inside of Ahrefs. Uh, So we use, we use Ahrefs as probably one of our primary SEO tools. So it's in Ahrefs. Uh, we then every month pull out. So everyone is encouraged to actually put as many keywords as humanly possible into that list. And once you put a keyword into Ahrefs, it's going to give you keyword difficulty. It's going to give you search volume, all those other variables. So then every month in our content calendar, we pull out eight more keywords that we're going to write for this month. So we pull out eight keywords out of the keyword list. We all talk about whether or not those are the eight keywords that we should write about. Then we uh, we send that out to the writing team through the editor. The editor goes to the writing team and says, hey, here are the keywords that we want to have written. At minimum, the uh, every blog post that we write now is 3,000 words minimum. Uh, if anything, we're actually now going three to 5,000 words. Uh, it's just been huge in terms of engagement and in terms of getting the right signals from Google. Then we write those pieces, they come back to the 
to the main team. The main team then looks at uh, optimizing those for SEO after the writing team has put them together. They're launched up on the website. Then the research team comes in and identifies at minimum 500 and realistically more than a thousand people that we can contact about that link that's contextual or about that piece that's contextual. So I might say something like, hey, Kaya, uh, just saw your article on Wordify and it was about the how to hire a virtual assistant. You know, we actually have this article, we have an article like this on our site. Here it is. And what I would like to do with you is see whether or not we can collaborate in some way. So maybe I can integrate the Wordify article onto our website and we can, and then you can integrate. Uh, our article onto your website in some way. So on average, the touch points are around eight and a half uh, emails before we actually end up getting a link. Um, generally, we don't we don't get links from anybody that's below a key a, a domain authority of thirty. We generally found that they're just not really worth it. And then after that, basically, we we just email all those people, find out whether or not they're going to get a link. We'll probably get a success rate of anywhere between. Uh, two to five percent based off the emails that we send out and um, and then within three to six months the article is usually in the top 10 of the SERPs. Okay that's, that's a really brilliant process. Um, you mentioned every month you guys sort of focus on eight new keywords so I'm interested is that in addition to like a, a master list of keywords or is that like um, an adaptation of existing keywords or do you literally just shift focus totally onto those eight keywords and they're sort of generally new topics how does that work? We have two teams. So we have a master keyword list and we pull eight keywords out of there and that's for the launch team. So there's a SEO launch team, meaning new articles that are being written. And then there's also a mop-up team. And what the mop-up team does is, let's say that we launch an article and then we end up ranking uh, 11th for virtual assistant as an example, which is a keyword that I think we just got recently. We would then take that, uh, the team would basically, the launch team would stop promoting it, and then the mop-up team would look at it as a possible opportunity to get it over the line. So we would say, hey, you know, these guys are, th this keyword is 11th, and if we put in another three months of work, we might be top three, and here's the advantages that we would get from top three, because we're already tasting the traffic that we're getting on that keyword, and then we're seeing the level of engagement with regards to trials. So we just have a process that we deploy to be able to find out which keywords we should spend extra energy on. Excellent. I love that. Does a mop-up team also like um, replenish and refresh older content? So for example, when we're writing for clients, after about a year or so, we'll start to see that competitors are starting to rank slightly above us even if we were first we may drop down to second third fourth mm -hmm. and the content needs a refresh right it needs it needs additional content to, to beat the guys who are beating us so does the mop-up team also go back to older content and replenish it and bolster it that actually is a different department so the mop-up team are linkers and the writing team do actually do rewrites every year approximately okay yeah makes sense makes sense mm -hmm. cool um one last thing on the blog, I noticed that you guys have got um, blog posts translated into many different languages, mm -hmm. uh, Russian, Spanish, um, Portuguese, I believe. Mm -hmm. So um, why why those audiences specifically? Did that happen organically that you guys happen to see audiences there? Um, and how do you do that on a, on, a, on a practical level? Is that through uh, local writers or, or, or people you have on your team who are bilingual? No, <laughs> it's very okay. difficult. Uh, for anyone that's thinking about doing it, I would say you have to think very 
you have to think very carefully about implementing internationalization on your site. So the reason that we did it is we had requests from paying customers. So we had paying customers that were speak that were in Portuguese, that were in Spanish, that were in German, as an example. And we knew that if we just translated the software into those other languages, that people would appreciate that and they would get more use out of the software. The other advantage is that, uh, you know, if you're on Google, if you're ranking on Google.com and you're a DA78 site like us, and you take that and you move it over to google.ru, you automatically rank. So it's a relatively small market. Maybe it's 5%, 10% of google.com, but all you have to do is translate your site into that other language and bam, you automatically rank. It's, it's actually pretty magical. So what, you, uh, what we in essence did is we just built an entire string system on our main site and then uh, on our app. And we did that translation as a first step. And then after that, we ended up going after a couple blog posts because we saw such a huge uh, positive feedback from the other, basically from these languages that we're, we were generating serious money for. We've even deployed sales teams actually in, um, in Brazil. And the reason being is Portuguese was so successful for us. And so many people ended up purchasing copies of Time Doctor in Portuguese that we literally built a sales team as well to be able to follow up. That is super interesting. Very, very cool. So what other content marketing tactics are you guys using other than, you know, the, the blog posts and other than sort of written content? Uh, where else have you expanded into? Biggest thing that we've done is last year we started a conference that had nothing to do with Time Doctor. So the conference is called Running Remote. And it's about building and scaling remote teams. That's something that we care about quite a bit. Our mission statement as a company is that we want to empower workers to work wherever they want, whenever they want. And that ties into building a conference on remote work. But uh, a lot of people wouldn't even know that we run that conference because we don't include Time Doctor or Staff.com or other company in any way with the um, with that conference. And that's been relatively successful. Uh, it's the biggest conference on remote work and we're doing it again every single year uh, at this point. We've in essence identified that it's something that we definitely want to double down on. Very interesting. And also uh, appearing on podcasts, is, it seems to be a, stra a strategy of, of yours, right? Um, I believe you've appeared on, on over 100 podcasts. So is that another thing that you guys are trying to incorporate? Um, are you launching your own podcast or is appearing on podcasts a good enough sort of... Um, uh, way for you guys to increase brand awareness? So we're doing both. We actually decided not to do a podcast on Time Doctor because we identified that people don't necessarily like time tracking that much. Uh, they won't be as excited to be able to learn about time tracking, but under the running remote brand, it's a lot more exciting. So on that podcast, we talk about building and scaling remote teams and how those teams are structured. Uh, we actually just had a great session with the CTO of Product Hunt, who brought us through how to build a sub 30 remote dev team, which is pretty nerdy for most people, but for people like me, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic uh, piece of content. So that's the type of stuff that we really focus on is who is the most engaged customer? Find the, find the 1000 true fans. Don't go after, don't go broad, go very deep and uncomfortably narrow. And then after that point, you can kind of pick back up and possibly expand out to a larger audience. This is brilliant because you always hear about companies who say, you know, 
my industry is it's just too boring to create content for. You know, what, what will I talk about? We just do, you know, all we do is create cardboard boxes. You know, there's nothing to talk about or whatever it may be, right? But you guys have sat down and you said, yeah, okay, our, our core business may not be the most exciting thing in the world, but that doesn't mean we can't bring value to the audience. There's some, there's always things that are related to what you do uh, that are exciting, that do get people's, you know, juices flowing, so to speak. And that's exactly what you guys did. You went and found, found that thing that's not necessarily bang on the exact same topic, but it's, it's very much related, right? Building remote teams. And when you're doing that, you know, you may want a, a time tracking tool to, to help you do that. And I'm sure it, it comes in very, very handy. So that's a very great example for anybody out there who's thinking that, you know, my SaaS company or, or my company, whatever your company may be, is just too boring. Uh, there's always some way you can, you can create content, right? Absolutely. I think that that's one of the things that, is constantly uh, surprising us every single quarter is we always talk about how well we've run out of keywords and we don't know <laughs> what we're going to do next and then we end up finding more keyword opportunities and that, that end up converting so um, I think we have I mean we've actually pulled a lot of our posts off of our blog and that's kind of a separate SEO conversation but we've basically amalgamated 301 to a whole bunch of posts together but we've written over a thousand blog posts up until this point and we're probably this next year going to write a couple hundred more blog posts across all of our assets and it's just there's always opportunity and people don't recognize that yeah so true uh, I also I also noticed you guys have got um, a fairly su successful YouTube channel over one thousand one hundred subscribers, which for most SaaS companies is a is a is a is a is a uh, an achievement. So how did you guys go about that? Is there any strategy behind the video content itself? Is it like repurposed content? Um, I, no. I noticed. I, I, oh, sorry. I also noticed that you guys have actually like taken features from Time Doctor and done like small walkthroughs. So I'm just interested to see what the strategy is there. Yeah, for that it was um, so we end up ended up doing some retargeting on YouTube, and I think we actually picked up a few of the subscribers from that retargeting. Um, with YouTube, it's all about watch time, so that's the thing that is very easy about YouTube. All other variables basically don't matter. Commenting doesn't matter. Sharing doesn't matter. Uh, none of those signals will actually get you into the YouTube algorithm. The only thing that will get you into the YouTube algorithm is did someone watch the video till the end or as much of the video as humanly possible? And did they click on another video after they watched your video? If you can accomplish those two things, you will go viral. It is it, the algorithm will love you. They will give you as, as much traffic as humanly possible if it's on the same subject. So also, let's say there's like five videos on how to hire a virtual assistant. If your video is the one that they watch the longest and then they watch another video the most after your video in comparison to those other four videos, they're going to shuttle all the traffic into your video and forget about the other four videos. So it's actually a really simple way of doing basically uh, search engine optimization as well and just getting traffic. And I, I love uh, YouTube as a platform. I used to do a lot of work in YouTube about 10 years ago, way back in the day when it was very, uh, it was not the same machine that it was today. And <clears throat> it is for anyone that's looking to do content, I would probably double down on YouTube personally. Uh, I think that there's so many missed opportunities and the reason is that people are concerned about being on video and you also can't outsource that content. So someone has to actually make that content on their own and um, I would, for anyone that's kind of resistant towards that, I would say just go out and do it, put together 20 videos and see what happens. 
That's a really interesting point. You, you can't really outsource YouTube content or not good YouTube content, right? You, you really do have to sit down in front of the camera and start producing. What Do you have any sort of tips for you know a SaaS company that is trying to improve their, their watch time? Any sort of little tips and hacks that could they could incorporate? Sure. So first intro, identify what the customer is going to learn or what the viewer is going to learn. And usually, even though it's, I hate these types of videos, but they do great for watch time. What are the five secrets to hiring a virtual assistant? Okay. So you need the five secrets because if you just say, what's the secret to hiring a virtual assistant and you tell them in the first minute of a 10 minute video, they're going to drop off. So then you need to very clearly identify what are the five secrets to hiring a virtual assistant. You break that down. You discuss it. Um, generally, you're going to need to change your camera angle every 30 seconds. Think of the most ADD possible way to make a video. <laughs> that is what's going to grab people's watch time. Uh, for anyone that's kind of interested in analyzing this, just go to uh, someone like Logan Paul or the the guy that that uh, found that dead body in Japanese suicide yeah. forest a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, so look at the way that he makes videos. What he does is it's it's actually sometimes you know you you need to kind of like pause the video for a second because he's just jumping around in such a, an insane manner. But what he's in essence doing is he's putting together forty or fifty vines because he right. came from Vine and he's realized. Well, if I make all these little vines and I put them together, I'm always going to keep the attention of my audience and the algorithm is going to love it. So what we do is we end up, we'll, we'll just do a talking head video, but then what will end up happening is we'll do a, uh, we'll push in on the camera or we'll push out on the camera every 30 seconds. We'll bring in an animation. And even if I'm talking about Slack, as an example, I'll pop in Slack or I'll pop in an image of the CEO of Slack or something like that. And that is going to really boost your watch time. I've actually analyzed this just in our own YouTube analytics. And it's it's pretty interesting, the difference. That is really, really interesting because I've I've uh, watched and, and read a lot of tips on how to sort of improve YouTube watch time and changing camera angles. Uh, now that you've said it, it makes so much sense because you see it all the time when you think mm -hmm. about it, but it's never yep. really brought up as a tip to do. And that's a, that's something I can learn from as well because my YouTube channel is a, is a uh, small but hopefully growing this year mm -hmm. and that's one thing i haven't been doing I i've had the talking head videos but um, no sort of camera work or anything like that and you do take it for granted sometimes you think you know well i'm here I'm, I'm talking so it is interactive but i can get a little bit boring and stale so you do need to switch it up a bit to to, to capture attention and to, and to keep attention as you say so that's a really 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 cool uh tip right there guys mm -hmm. okay uh we're gonna jump into a quick fire round uh liam you ready for it i'm ready Okay, so what is your favorite social network right now and why? I would say YouTube because the opportunity is huge on YouTube for a marketer. And then secondarily, the content that's being built there is, I would say, the most genuine of any other social network that is currently around. Instagram is getting kind of old and it's just, it's all memes. Um, YouTube still has really meaningful content on it. And it's probably the social media network that I spend the most time on as well. Very cool. Uh, whose content are you consuming the most right now? I would probably say, you, you asked me this question, it's difficult for me to kind of <laughs> tell me, <laughs> say, say exactly who that person is, because I, I really try to, 
be disciplined in not consuming yeah. too much content because then mm -hmm. I end up going down a pretty negative spiral. Yeah. Um, I would say I am consuming a lot of content around Saster, if that's going to be probably the best question that I could say. Actually, you know what? Recently, I've been following a lot of uh, Alexander Thuma, his content from SaaStock. So he runs the largest uh, SaaS conference in Europe. Okay. And I mean, they did, I think they did like 5,000 attendees last year for their conference. And he's going very tactical, whereas Saster, and I don't want to go too crazy into SaaS businesses because I know that's probably not your entire audience, but... Um, it pretty much is actually, so I'm, think, I'm, quite, happy, yeah? I'm quite happy okay, to, yeah, right. I'm quite happy to go into it, yeah. So I, I find that Saster is sales-driven. Uh, so as a conference, SAS, if you want to build a sales team, Saster is the best place to build a sales team. If you want to build a marketing team, SaaS stock is the best place to be able to learn that information. And then I guess maybe I'll put an honorable mention for us is uh, SaaS North, which is the largest conference in um, in Canada for SaaS. We have about 2000 people that end up coming every single year to learn about SaaS businesses. That one is actually a hybrid. Uh, we actually we recognized that we didn't really want to go to San Francisco for um, for our SaaS conference. So what we decided to do is kind of just amalgamate a whole bunch of different sources and put it in Canada as well. But I would say Alexander Thuma, uh, Alex at Alex Thuma on Twitter. He's he's got some really great stuff. Okay, I'll check him out for sure. And finally, if you could only give one tip for content marketers today, what would it be? Uh, work, just do do work. Okay. They're the vast majority of people that fail at content marketing is they don't recognize that it is a cumulative um, game. You are never going to pop and go viral with one particular piece of content. It is never going to happen. Uh, and especially it will never happen for the one that you think that it's going to happen for. I can give you a perfect example is we actually just did a YouTube video about our uh, we ended up getting these insane villas for our speakers at Running Remote. They're made out of entire, they're made entirely out of bamboo. So the biggest one is seven stories and it sways in the wind. That's beautiful, beautiful villa. So I did a review of these villas and I saw that there were so many videos about crazy villas in Bali. Okay. And the worst one got, you know, 50,000 views. Uh, so I thought to myself, man, this is the one we're going to crack it. We're going to get a whole bunch of traffic. And we spent a whole bunch of time. My editor spent a bunch of extra time editing together this video. And, you know, we launched it. Uh, I, I didn't email our email list, but I definitely gave it a hard push on social and <clears throat> crickets, like a <laughs> couple hundred views. That's it <laughs> for the entire video. Yeah. So the algorithm didn't pick it up. And I thought to myself, I got everything right. I got my SEO right. I got everything pumping properly and then we write an article about um five things i learned five you know five things i would have done differently had i built a SaaS business today mm -hmm. and that's just me talking to a video i shot it literally in 10 minutes and it has 4x the traffic wow. 5x the traffic wow. so it'll just never you you can it's always cumulative just keep working at it and you will succeed. The only thing that I would say you should stop at is if you start to go, if you start to go in the negative direction, if you start losing traffic, that's bad. If you keep gaining traffic, whatever that rate is, just keep going. Brilliant. I think that's brilliant advice. Uh, Liam, you've, you've given us brilliant advice throughout the episode. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope you guys continue to enjoy the retreat. 
Uh, is there any way, well, I'm sure there is, but how can people find you online if they want to get in touch with you and follow your content? Sure. So uh, if you want to get a, a trial of Time Doctor, go to timedoctor.com. If you want to actually see our YouTube experiment uh, for running remote, go to youtube.com slash running remote. And if you want to just get in contact with me at any point, you can always send me an email. Uh, it's uh, liam at staff.com, S-T-A-F-F.com. Awesome. Liam, thanks again for coming on. All right. Guys, thank you for listening to Content and Caffeine. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share it with your friends and your colleagues. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes or whichever app you're listening to us on. If you're looking for show notes, head over to wordify.co forward slash podcast. And I'll see you again next week.